listening to the Living Room North Living Room North podcast. We are in the series called The Games We Play, and tonight I want to share a message with you that our team, when we were talking about this, this message came up because Andy Stanley preached this message about 10 to 12 years ago to a large group of college students. And when we were talking about the games that we play, we were like, this is the message that the students have to hear. Okay, so I'm going to try to do an accelerated version of that. And so I hope I don't screw it up because this message is gold, okay? And, uh, and I'm going to do my best. But this conversation starts um, like this. It's, it's about dealing with our future, the games we play with our future, and where the conversation starts is dealing with our appetites, okay? And uh, an appetite is my natural desire and your natural desire to satisfy a need. My natural desire and your natural desire to satisfy a need. And we all have appetites and we all have different types of appetites. And I just want us to look at some of these appetites that we all can relate to in some form or fashion. Food, you get that. I don't even have to spend time on that. We have an appetite for food. We have an appetite for sex, and you're like, no, I don't know, maybe not. I mean, you know, you will have an appetite for sex, I promise. One day you will, if you don't have that already. Um, you have an ap appetite for progress, success, and responsibility. And what I mean by that is that there are many of you in the room that you are a, an achiever. You are wired to achieve, and you're just like hustling, and you want to be like, do the best, and that is awesome, and that's great, but you have an appetite for that. You're driven by success, and you want leadership, and you want responsibility, and you want to be in control, and that's how you're wired, and that's your appetite. We all have an appetite for love. I've never met anyone who's like, I don't want love. I want to be alone for the rest of my life, and I want no one to care about me. I've never met anyone like that before. Strange, because we all have a need for love. In the same way, we have a need for acceptance and belonging. That's a very natural thing, that you would be accepted. It's why we fear rejection so badly. It's why we said that the living room is a humble way from home, because we want you to belong here. We want you to know that there's a place for you here. There's a place that you can be accepted here. We want you to be accepted here. And then another appetite is recognition and notoriety. Notoriety. I can't even say that word right now. Notoriety. And, and, you know, as a kid, you're always like, Mommy, Daddy, look at me. Like, look at me do this flip. Look at me do this cartwheel. Look at me make this shot. And you're like, look at me, look at me. And as you've grown older, that recognition doesn't go away. It just changes. And you try to find it from other things in life, other people. And then finally, you got, uh, you've got an appetite for stuff. And this is the one that gets me. Um, I can't go on too long about this, but I have clo a closet in my house that my wife does not like. And it, was, uh, and it goes through different seasons. And, and, you know, 10 years ago, it would have been tennis clothes. And I just had tennis clothes. It was a full closet of tennis clothes. I know that sounds crazy, but I was really into tennis at the time. And then I was in the cycling at one point, and I had a cycling closet for a while. And that sounds weird. I get it. And then uh, lately, it's golf, Okay. And uh, my wife's okay with golf, but she doesn't like my obsession for the clothing of it, okay? Because I have too much of it. I'll just be honest with you. And I know golf clothing is not cool to you, but to me, I'm into it, okay? And that's my stuff that I'm like crazy about right now. And I have an appetite and it's a little excessive. I'll admit it, okay? I'm going public with that right here, okay? And, and we all have these things. 
We all have appetites, but here's what you need to know about the games we play with our appetites. They, they can impact your future. It can impact your future and it can forfeit things in your future if you do not understand how and why this is so important. And what you need to know about it is that either you will rule your appetites or they will rule you. You can rule your appetites or they will rule you. Appetites are so powerful. Your appetites have the potential to derail your future. They have, the, they have the potential to lead you to addiction. And I can just tell you stories of students that have come to me with addictions and it has ultimately derailed other things in their, in their life, other relationships in their life as life has gone on because they couldn't control the appetite. And finally, it can derail God's will in your life. You could let an appetite take over your life that you could miss God's will for your life. And I'm not saying that to scare you tonight, although it should. I'm saying that to let you know that's how powerful appetites are. And so there's four things you need to know about appetites. The first is that God created us with appetites, but sin broke and distorted them. And so appetites are a natural craving. But because of sin, we now have appetites that are ungodly. They are, we're trying to meet our needs through ungodly things. And that's what sin, that's the power of sin. And that's what it has done. It is awakens our flesh to things that we shouldn't desire. <clears throat> Second thing you need to know about appetites is that they always scream more and now. And now and more. Those are the two favorite words of appetites. If we were to per personify appetites, you would never have a conversation with an appetite and an appetite would be like, hey, why don't you wait two and a half years for you make that purchase when you have the financial resources to make that purchase? An appetite never says that. You know, it's like, no, I want it now. And, and what the, the way we've been brought up in this world right now, I mean, the way you have been brought up in this world, the, the instant gratification that you can get right now because of everything that's like so accessible on our phone, it's crazy. And like for me, it's like um, not, not a play on the word appetizers, but the applications on your phone, the app on your phone. Like I am like now addicted to Jersey Mike's app because I think I'm crazy about Jersey Mike's and I may, who, who's Jimmy John's? Jimmy John fans in the room? Yeah, freaky fast, that's awesome. But Jersey Mike's can be freaky fast if you use the app and I prefer Jersey Mike's, okay? And I will plan out, I'll be driving from work to an appointment and I know, oh, if I go to that Jersey Mike's, I can order on the app and it's gonna be ready when I get there. And that's the instant gratification that we have right now in this world with, with our appetite, it's like, whoa, it's so easy. And it's, we can have more and we can have it right now. That's what appetites scream. Third, third thing you need to know, I'm gonna give you a three in one on this one, okay? Which really means we had like six things here, but I had to squeeze it all in into four, okay? So you can't eliminate them. You don't outgrow them and you shouldn't underestimate them. You can't eliminate them. You don't outgrow them and you shouldn't underestimate them. And, and the reality is that appetites are here to stay. They're never gonna go away. 
You can never say, I don't struggle with that anymore, even though you can say that. But the appetite, you might have, have figured out a way to get around the appetite, but it's just dormant in your life. And that's a good thing. But it can awaken or be triggered in any moment. That's what an appetite is, because it's a desire. And something can trigger it, and it can come out of nowhere. So you can't eliminate them. You can't grow outgrow them and you shouldn't underestimate them because they're powerful and finally appetites are they are never fully and finally satisfied they are never fully and finally satisfied and that's just the reality you you think man if I could just get in that relationship if I could just get that thing if I could get in that organization if I could just get that degree and get graduate, I'm going to be set for life. And you get it, and then you realize, hey, you're not satisfied. And so appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. So we're going to listen, look at a story tonight. It comes from Genesis. It's Genesis 25. We're going to talk about two brothers, Jacob and Esau. But before we dive into this, I want to give you a little context. This story starts in Genesis 12 with a man named Abraham. And Abraham had a wife named Sarah, and they had a son named Isaac. And Isaac um, had a wife, married a woman named Rebekah, and they gave birth to twin sons, Jacob and Esau. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. It's uh, Genesis 25, 27 through 28. We're going to put the words up on the screen. <clears throat> the boys grew up. And Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So you have two brothers. The father loves the son, who's the out outdoor guy that's going to go like kill the game, bring home the food for the family. And he just was like crazy about Esau. And Jacob was more of a homebody, loved to cook, okay? Pretty cool. I mean, he, he, like, he, could, he could cook up some good stuff, and we're going to see about that in just a second. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red, red stew. I'm famished. Now, this you have to understand the way this is written is this is very dramatic. He's being emphatic. Like, I want to gulp down that stew right now. Quick, give it to me, okay? And um, he's just being really extra in this moment because he's hungry. But like, he's just hungry, right? He's not like famished, you know? Let's think about this. I don't care how long he's been away. I mean, it's like famished, really, Esau? And this is crazy because this doesn't happen, and, and maybe some of you can relate to this if you have an older sibling. But in this moment, it's very unique because Esau wants something from his younger brother. And Jacob knows in this moment, this is his opportunity. And he's like, this isn't normal. Esau doesn't ask me for much, never really asked me for anything. And this is my moment, and I'm going to take advantage of it. And this is what happens next. Um, he, he says... Um, First, Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Now, this is absolutely insane. Like, this is an insane request. He says, sell me your birthright. 
And it's like, what? What do you mean? For stew? Now, I, and I don't know if I can like get you to get the weight of what this is. And I've been trying to come up with an illustration for this, but I just want you to picture you have an older sibling, okay? If you don't have an older sibling, how many of you have an older sibling? Show of hands, okay. You can get this. Okay, I want you to picture you're 15 years old, maybe you're 14 years old, and your older sibling has been given a brand new Ford F-150 truck, okay? Four-door, big one, okay? And it's, it's been completely paid for, but your parents are a little crazy. And they say, we're not gonna put the truck in our name. We're gonna put it in your brother's name, okay? So the truck is in his name, insurance paid for, and he's taking you to Chick-fil-A one day, okay? Everybody with me? You're going to Chick-fil-A with your older brother. If you don't have an older, older brother, just track with me here, okay? You get to Chick-fil-A and your brother has been driving illegally because he forgot his wallet that had his license and the thing that he was gonna pay for his food with. And he looks at you and he says, hey, will you get me a number three, eight count nuggets? It's $8.72. And you respond and say, give me the title to the truck. And he's like, what? I forgot my wallet. And he's like, if you give me the title to the truck, I'll get you the eight count you want. Okay, you laugh because it's insane, right? But that doesn't even carry the weight of what is happening in this. To have the birthright in this culture, when this is written, when this, is, when this took place, you have the birthright, you got two-thirds of the inheritance. Two-thirds of the inheritance. So it wasn't just the truck. It was the house. It was the land. It was the cattle. And then you became the authority of the family. That's what Jacob is asking Esau. That's what you need to know is going on here, okay? So you get the insanity, okay? This is crazy. So there's no way that Esau is going to go for this, right? It's completely lopsided trade that favors Jacob. We get that. But look what happens here in verse 32. Look, I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me? So this is crazy, dramatic. You know, the drama is increasing here. Esau's like, I'm going to die if you don't give me this. And it's like, Esau, Really? You're going to die if you don't have this stew, this red stew that your brother's cooked up. He's like, no, what good is my birthright? Like, if I die, I don't need a birthright. Like, so, you know, this is crazy. And in that moment, Esau has no idea the value of his birthright because he's letting his appetite speak his appetite is doing the talking because if he realized what he was forfeiting in this moment, he would be like, you're out of your mind. I'll go find some stew somewhere else. But this is, and, and, and Jacob is so shocked by Esau's response in this moment. He's like, this is what he says to him because this is crazy. He says, but Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore on an oath to him selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. <clears throat> and just this succession of verbs right here in this narrative implies rash decision-making. It's like he ate, 
He drank, he got up and left, giving no thought to what he had just done. He wasn't careful about anything. He had no reflection about it. He just left in that moment. And what happened was Esau was focused on the short term. He's like, I'm hungry and I have a need and it needs to be filled. And if in that moment, God could have just gotten Esau's attention just for a second and said, Esau, hey, I want you to think about this decision that's before you. So you don't know this or not, but um, if you don't give up your birthright, you're gonna have 12 sons. And those 12 sons are going to become the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And the the nation of Israel is going to be oppressed by the nation of Egypt. And I'm going to raise up a leader after all this oppression happens. And the leader's name is going to be a guy named Moses. In fact, he's going to be a great leader for the nation of Israel. He's going to be a great leader that the whole world is going to know about. And when I go to reveal myself to him, Esau, I'm going to say to Moses, I am the God of your father Abraham, your father Isaac, your father Esau. That's going to be part of your legacy, Esau. And it says, even greater than that, Esau, I'm going to bring a savior 2,000 years after Moses. I'm going to bring a savior to the world. And he's going to come from your family. And your legacy is going to live forever, Esau. You sure you want to give that up? For a bowl of soup? A, soup? a bowl of stew? You want to think about this decision for a moment? <clears throat> Look what Exodus says, Exodus 3, 6. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Esau chose instant gratification because he let his out-of-control appetite influence his decision-making. He chose instant gratification. And you know what's so crazy about that? Probably three, maybe four hours later, Esau was hungry again. sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. Who would do that? Who would do that? Can I be honest with you? I would do that. You would do that. We've done it. We've made bad trades all the time because we weren't thinking right, because we were listening to our appetites. And so my question for you tonight is what appetite is ruling you? 
What is your bowl of stew? What is your bowl of stew? What is it? Is it a substance? Is it alcohol? Is it sex? Is it porn? Is it success that you're so driven to success and finishing school that you cut corners and you cheat to get there? And you think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to get it to get the degree. And you don't realize that you're cultivating a habit in your life that you always are going to cut corners down the road. Is it stuff? Are you going after stuff? Are you running up debt? Are you shopping a lot? Because it's like, hey, I just want the stuff. What is the appetite? What is your bowl of stew? Here's the bottom line. Don't trade what you want most for what you want now. Galatians 6, 8 says this. Whoever sows, whoever sows to please their flesh from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from their spirit will reap eternal life. Appetites are powerful. And if you feed the wrong ones, they can destroy your life. So what do I want you to do? I want you first to surrender your life. I want you to surrender your life, your future hopes and dreams, and trust God to lead you in the day-to-day to say no to the appetites that come into conflict with your future hopes and dreams. You have to do that. You have to, you have to surrender your life and say, God, I'm going to trust you. And last week, Jake was here, and he talked about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is a deposit he, as an heir that you receive. And he's gonna, the Holy Spirit is in us for those of us who put our faith in Christ. And he can lead and navigate us. And when you surrender your life to God and surrender your hopes and dreams and say, hey, I want to follow you, God, he will lead you. He will convict you. He will allow you in those moments to pause and say, hey, I'm going to say no to this because I know what I want now is going to, um, is going to like, cause me to forfeit what I want in the future. And so surrender your life. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to renew your mind. We talk about that if you've been around the living room some, but you know this verse in, in Romans from Paul, Romans 12, it talks about renewing your mind. Right? Do not be conformed to this world, but renew your mind so that you can be transformed, so that your mind can be transformed. And the importance, important thing that you need to know about renewing your mind is that renewing is remembering who you are. And again, going back to Jake's talk last week, that you are a son, that you are a daughter of God. And that's why I love the bottom line. If I don't get it right, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong. The bottom line last week was um, if uh, uh, nothing else will satisfy until God is enough. But you said it differently. You said, uh, how'd you say it? Uh, until God's enough, 
Yeah, until God is enough for you, nothing else will satisfy you. And that is such a great bottom line. Until God is enough for you, nothing else will satisfy you. And that's what it is. It's knowing your position and who you are. And that's why you have to renew your mind. You have to renew your mind. And knowing who you are. Renewing is replacing the lies with the truth. Renewing is reframing and stepping back and looking at the big picture and getting perspective. And renewing is cultivating a proper appetite. That's what renewing is, cultivating a proper appetite. And for some of you in the room, you do not have an appetite for God. Your appetite for God is very, very small. And it's okay that it's small right now, but you want to grow your appetite so that you hunger and thirst for the things of God. And the way you can do that is getting to know God through the scriptures, renewing your mind through the scriptures. Getting to know how much he loves you and how good he is. That he can be your refuge and your strength. That he can be your strong tower. That he can be your shield. That he can be your provider. That he can meet your needs. And finally, you got to set boundaries. And so the question I have for you, you get this, but if you're going to surrender your life to him, you got to set boundaries, and, and the way to set boundaries is um, you should figure out how you can put the bowl of stew out of reach. And we talk about this a lot, about like, hey, if you, I thought I had my phone with me, but I don't have my phone, but just think about this. If you have the world at your fingertips and you sleep beside it at night, Maybe that's not the best place for you to leave your phone at night. Maybe you need to get an alarm clock and use an old-fashioned alarm clock and leave the phone in the kitchen because sometimes there might be times that you're like, you can't sleep and you just get on social media or you get on the internet and you can go to places that you shouldn't go. You get that. You need to set boundaries close with a quick story. I, um, we have a new series coming up in March. I'm really excited about it. It's on dating. And uh, a suggestion came to us that we should use the word Riz, R-I-Z-Z, in the title. <clears throat> and uh, so the series is going to be called Riz, Roses, and Red Flags, coming to you in March. All right? But full confession moment. I had never heard of the term Riz. Small group leaders, older small group leaders in the room, maybe you haven't turned, heard of the term Riz either. And so I downloaded TikTok to figure out this thing about Riz. And it was fascinating because there's, there's these TikTokers that talk about their Riz rating. Anybody seen this? There's, a, there's an athlete from the University of Alabama and he goes around and films TikToks on how good he is at getting girls' phone numbers. And he's good. Can I just tell you? It's fascinating. I, did I tell you I downloaded TikTok? Yes. It's amazing. And, it's, and I'm almost wondering if he rigged it because it's like, this is too good. Like, you've got too much charm. You've got too much charisma, which is where the word comes from. But what happened to me in the process 
what happened to me in the process is I had no idea of the appetite that I had for TikTok. And I just want to be clear, I'm not saying that TikTok is bad, so don't leave tonight and be like, the speaker at the living room said TikTok is bad and we should delete it. But I didn't have an algorithm yet, so I was just scrolling and watching and scrolling and watching, as you know, the routine. And I watched this video and it was of a chess player, a 12-year-old chess player beating the streamer. You seen that one? I haven't seen the completed version yet because I only saw part one. And I kept scrolling to find part two and I never found part two. So I don't know what happened. But in the same process, as I was scrolling, I started watching a movie that I'd never seen before with Gene Hackman, who you don't know who Gene Hackman is, but he was the basketball coach in this movie that I love called Hoosiers. And I was like, I've never seen this movie before. And seven minutes later, I didn't know this was allowed on TikTok, but seven minutes later, I'm watching the same movie. And it, the seven minutes ends and it was, says this is part one. And I'm like, you can't do that to me. And so I'm like, where's part two? I want part two. I want to know how the next scene goes. And you get what it is. I mean, I, 45 minutes, hour goes by and I have wasted an hour of my life. Do you know what I had to do? It's a real simple solution. Delete. I had to delete TikTok. I still get the, uh, the emails from them because they got new updates for me, apparently. But I had to delete it because I have an uncontrollable appetite for TikTok. It's uncontrollable. And I'm sorry, it's crazy. I should have known better. But that's the boundary that I have to set for me. What's the boundary for you? What's the boundary for you? Because I don't want appetites to rule your life. I want you to rule your appetites. And I believe that through the help of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit, Jesus wants that for you as well.